A super well-meaning troupe of theater artists is taking on America's most politically incorrect event, the school Thanksgiving Day pageant. And what could be so politically incorrect about the Thanksgiving Day pageant? Let's find out, shall we? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I'm Kimberly Amato and you can also find us on most social media platforms under the handle at Forever Fan Pod. We are your hosts and we're glad you can join us. And today's episode we're going to be covering another Broadway play titled The Thanksgiving Play. Yeah. So this is a l- more lighthearted episode. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Um, as we cover the antics of the ensemble cast in this satirical play. Please be aware that we will be talking about major plot points and themes, so if you listen past the banter, you will be spoiled. So, our Lesbian Icons Weekend in the City continues. Absolutely. We had covered uh, A League of Their Own, the Amazon uh, television series. Do Mm -hmm. not get me started on season two. No, no, no. So when uh, Darcy Carden was announced that she was going to be doing her Broadway debut... Uh It was a no-brainer to go see her. Yeah, you had to. Period. Yeah, there's no option there (laughs) for us. And actually, due to popular demand, this play is actually being uh, extended through June 11th. Really? Yeah. So this and Prima Facie were both extended. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you have the opportunity, go see it. That's wonderful because both of them really do deliver amazing, um, thought-provoking stories. Mm -hmm. So to have it extended means more audiences are going to get to see it. That's great. Yeah. And so um, that said, without further ado, uh, let's get on with discussing the Thanksgiving play, shall we? So here's the summary from the New York Theater Guide.com. Larissa Fast Horse's satire centers on the amateur theater troupe tasked with creating a Thanksgiving play to perform at an elementary school. Wanting to center the Native American perspective in the story of the holiday, the director hires a Native American actress. Only as they find out too late, she isn't actually Native American. Like the other three in the group, she's white. Absurdity ensues as the troupe tries to keep their production politically correct and culturally sensitive. And even with the best of intentions, there's a whole feast of issues to contend with. Oh, my God. And are there issues? There's a lot of issues. <laughs> and according to the New York Times, uh, they actually said that this is a delicious roasting of everything right, wrong, and woke in America. Quote, end quote. And so, quote from the trailer. We... <laughs> Didn't feel comfortable putting the entire 30-second trailer in our uh, episode. Mm -hmm. So you might see us saying, according to the trailer, and this. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the play. Okay. All right. So the play centers around four main characters. Logan, played by Katie Finneran, is the high school drama teacher. The entitled drama teacher. She's been canceled twice, according to the trailer. Yeah. Jackson, played by Scott Foley is Logan's boyfriend, a very politically correct hippie. The politically correct ally, to a fault, Hmm. according to the trailer. Caden, who is played by Chris Sullivan, is an aspiring playwright and current history teacher assigned to Logan to help the play be historically accurate. The history buff, who really wants to get it right, according to the trailer. (laughs) Sorry, you're just cracking me up. Uh, And Alicia, 
Last but not least, played by Darcy Carton, is the professional actor who is the center of the elementary school play. The actress. She'll take on any role she can get, but probably shouldn't, according to the trailer. <laughs> okay. So, the events of this play happen over the course of a day. A day? A day. Really? Yes, a day. Wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> so <laughs> much happens over the course of a day. Well, there's a lot that happens, yes. So, we find out that in last year's production, Logan put on The Iceman Cometh. And it caused 300 parents to sign a petition to get her fired since that play isn't age-appropriate, you think? My sentiments, exactly. Anyway, to make up for it and to try to keep her job, she applied and received several, quote, culturally sensitive and inclusive grants, including one to hire a professional Native American actor. The play that she's putting on now is called The First Thanksgiving. So the school assigns the high school teacher from a neighboring school to ensure that their facts are accurately presented historically. Now, the issue here is how to authentically show The First Thanksgiving while making it age-appropriate for elementary school children. And to top it off, the Native American actor Logan hired is, uh, hello, white. So the crew tries to make the best of the situation. I mean, what else can they do? But they rapidly go down the rabbit hole until they find themselves bowling with effigies of severed heads complete with fake blood. And apparently this was an actual event that happened in 1631 Cape Cod. Eventually, they all realize that perhaps the best thing for them to do is to step aside and just be quiet so that others can tell the story authentically, no matter how harsh the story may seem in the light of day. Yep. <laughs> That's, it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, so shall we start talking about the good then? Sure. Okay. I will let you start. All right. Well, we have to say it's a top-notch cast. Right? Yeah, you've got Tony Award winner, Emmy nominees. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to just discuss the um, Darcy Carden mm-hmm. first, um, Broadway debut. Mm-hmm. Really. She, she was the main draw for me, honestly. Yeah, well, again, we wouldn't have known about the play had I not, I guess, the algorithms um, knew that I was going to see plays and that I followed um, Darcy on Instagram and all of a sudden it started popping up on Instagram and we were actually in the city to see six Mm -hmm. and I was happened to be on my phone and I was like, oh, do you want to see this? Darcy's in it. I had no idea what it was about. Right. Neither did I. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be spoiled. Mm -hmm. Let's just go in and see what it's about. And that's exactly what we did. But it didn't seem like she had an overwhelming amount of dialogue. No, she's supposed to be the ditzy actor. Yeah. But what she did with so little, like that Starbucks cup with all the whipped cream, like it was like 45 minutes of her trying to drink this thing. And <laughs> the way she's like licking the straw, and like people were dying laughing. Because the way she did it was really, really hilarious. I actually thought that you were going to talk about the grape that she, the grape, a grape that she was going to eat in a hundred different pieces. She ate a grape in a hundred different pieces. Wait, I don't remember this. Uh, really? No, I'm being honest. I was too focused <laughs> on the fact that like... It was Starbucks. She, oh my god, she was like standing to the side while the the other three characters were like trying to figure out like the the plot of the story, how they were going to do it. There wasn't really no script, and so she was in the corner just like eating her little grape. So maybe may the grape be with you. <laughs> it's just, I'm I like, wonder if that's what? I wonder if that's a satirical look at actors because 
they're told to stay thin. Don't eat. Uh, well. Eat like, what is it? The joke is one piece of pepperoni. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. But I was just, I was fixated on that while, you know, the, in the, in the background noise, essentially, is all of this chaos going on. Or when and she's there like, she is, eating her grape. When she's like, what do you do? You just lay back. And you're like, what am I doing now? Stare at the sky. And do what? Nothing. <laughs> and again, it goes to the writing first. Mm-hmm. So I will always say that you, you can have an amazing show and have okay writing. But when you have great writing and then you have a great cast, you get the a Thanksgiving play thing, or yeah. like Prima Facie and something like that. So mm-hmm. you get a great show. And Darcy really capitalizes on what's on the page mm-hmm. and brings it to life. And mm-hmm. I think every cast member does that in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, the, the fact that Scott Foley is also in this, I, I have to admit that I saw him in Felicity all those years ago in the, mm-hmm. in the early 90s, I think it was. And I had like a teeny tiny crush on him. Are you serious? Just teeny tiny? A teeny tiny crush. Why do I not believe you it was teeny tiny? Because it was a teeny tiny crush. Is this going to be a TikTok challenge thing? It was like who you had a crush on and thought you'd marry and then like a picture of Scott Foley and then me? No, not Uh at all. Anyway, watching him on stage, it was just incredible seeing him. And that, you know, he all these years later, he's still fit. I'm like, what? But anyway, I, I love the fact that, you know, he was so straight-laced at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, you know, he has paint and, like, is Braveheart and, you know, throwing these effigies all over the place. And then Chris Sullivan, I mean, we know him from uh, This Is This Us. Is Us. Mm-hmm. He's a playwright and he's trying to do all this stuff and he writes lines that get read as if they're porn. <laughs> and it's it's not intended to be. It's like, you know, do you want... You know my breast, and it's it's about the turkey. It is a Thanksgiving play, so yes, yeah. But so it's not meant to be that way, but it's it's read that way, and you just start laughing because even the best what is it, the road to hell is paved with the great the best intentions, intentions or good yeah. intentions. So you know it it's fitting. Even the play that he writes that they finally want to give like a chance to is just completely taken out of context. Oh I God, mean, yeah. You know, and I can relate to his plight, right? He He's an elementary school teacher. He writes these plays, and his script is read by elementary school's children. Mm-hmm. And now there's a chance for his play to actually be read by actual actors. I am putting air quotes around actors that are adults. And he's just like, this is my chance. And I'm like, oh. And then every time he says separatists. <laughs> to try to correct them, it gets more and more emphatic throughout the whole thing. It's funny. Yeah, it is. It's hilarious. I mean, it's a satire, right? That's that's the point. And I actually, I have to admit, I did not know who Katie Finneran was. Mm-hmm. And that's bad on my part because as a as a person who enjoys Broadway, I should know. And I didn't. Yeah. And she's just hysterical. Oh, my God. She just, she's just, her character wants to do the right thing. And at every turn, it's just... The wrong execution. <laughs> and you and I, I remember you and I were looking at each other going, my God, if she just stopped for like two seconds and took a breath, she might realize why that last thing failed and how to do it differently. And I guess maybe that was the point, you know, yeah. and again, this goes down to writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes you laugh and that gave the actors something to excel at mm-hmm. and really presents it in such a way where you're laughing. You see the absurdity of all of it and you see the point she's trying to make through it as well. Right. When we were at the theater, right, there's this big poster or something. It actually does say that, you know, she's the first Native American playwright on Broadway. 
and she was doing some interviews. And the one that I saw from Variety, actually, she was saying that her plays before this, they would develop it, they would pay for it, but it would never get to the stage. And the reason that she was given was that it was because it was uncastable because she has Native American characters. So what did she do? Instead of saying, all right, I quit, she actually said, okay, that door is closed. I see an open window. Let me create a play that has all, what did she call it, white presenting people so that the play gets made. And now, you know, this was back in, I think they said 2015. Yeah, that's what I read. And then 2018, you know, it was off Broadway and it's been one of the most put on plays because of the way she presented it. And now it's on Broadway. And because now that door is open, she now has five other plays coming that have Native American characters. That Kudos are, to her, though. Right? To keep trying, to persevere through that. But I, I just thought that that was such a uplifting story about just persevering through roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Yeah. Um, so any other good that we should talk about? I know it's not mm -hmm. technically about the play itself, mm -hmm. but Wednesday matinees in this theater happen to be mask required. Yeah. For those who are immunocompromised can go to the theater without fear or concern because everybody in the, the audience will be wearing a mask. Yeah. I, I think that makes it, you know, very accessible to a lot of yes. people. So um, is it okay if we go into themes a little bit? Of course. Okay. For me, this being a satire, right, it's skewering a lot of different things especially liberals who are being performative, right? Because that, that's just not helpful. <laughs> just full stop. Now that said, my key takeaway is that there has to be a balance, right? You can't be so PC that it's overwhelming and nothing you say or do is ever good enough or correct enough, and then it hinders progress. On the other hand, you can't be willfully ignorant of the history behind the atrocities that happen because then you're doomed to repeat the same mistake over and over again. There has to be a compromise between those two extremes so that there can be a way forward. That's my takeaway. You said it better than I ever could. Oh, why thank you. I remember we left the theater and we were discussing this in a current political landscape, mm -hmm. how there's this pendulum and it swings so far one way and eventually it'll swing back the other way. But there's always a period where there's kind of everybody's happy and it's in the middle. But unfortunately, it feels as if lately that middle ground is being lost. Because the pendulum swings are too... They're too far, far. and too hard and too long. And I'm wondering if we need to start with education. And the reason I got there is because there are these interstitial things where a screen comes down and it shows you a reenactment of what teachers from other schools have actually uploaded and done. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, but it's funny in that, oh, oh my, my God. God. Wow, that's a jinx. Kind of way. Yeah, yeah. because that, that's exactly how we've all felt seeing it in the play. Yeah, it's harsh. Mm -hmm. Education really does need an overhaul. Yeah. Um, do you have any other themes that you want to discuss? No, I think that was that was it. So do you want to go into the bad? Do you have any bad? Okay, so for me, right, it's not a bad per se. Okay. Now, this play is an hour and 30 minutes, right? Yes. There's no intermission. Okay. And, you know, 90 minutes is a long time, but it felt very short to me. It, it felt like we were there, I was laughing so hard, and then it was over. 
So it's a bad because you wanted more. It's a bad because I wanted more. Okay, I was trying to figure out how that was bad for a second. Okay, I, but I said you know it's it's not that it's a bad per se. No, I agree. I agree with you. If that's if that's considered a quote unquote bad, mm-hmm. I would I would agree with you. So, do you have any other bad other than that? No. Okay, then. So we will be moving right on to the cute. Moving right along. Now, why did I bring the Muppets into this? I don't know. Okay, so going to the cute. Can I first do a tangent in the cute? Sure. Um, And actually, you know what? I want to go back to the good for a second, kind of cute, but also good, is how every single member of the cast, when they come out, Mm -hmm. they spend so much time individually with every person waiting for an autograph. Oh, I know. It's great. Um, that, that usually doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And we mentioned like how Jodie Comer is with with her time, and she doesn't sign an overwhelming amount, but she She's takes her time. Is very time. gracious. Yep. They are as well. I mm-hmm. mean, they spoke to every single individual. They signed multiple things. People spoke about the show and and what they were thinking. And kudos to security as well, because security was stopping those people that get all like ten thousand signatures to sell, and it's like on headshots or whatever else. Oh right, yeah. Um, and they were like, no, they're only signing stuff for those who saw the show. And they were protecting their people. Yeah. One, you, you mentioned that you overheard that one of the security guards actually said that if they don't support you, don't support them. Yeah. Which I've never I, heard that I've before. I've never heard that either. And you know what? That's, that's actually a good thing because doing a play like this, it, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important to showcase, you know, different themes like this. If you're not supporting them, they're, then they're not able to to work in this medium. So that's why we love to go to, to Broadway and, and, you know, pay what the what the fair prices are because yep. they should be paid fairly. We're also in a, in a different situation where we can do that. But yeah. we also have to, and let's be candid, we have to plan these things out and save up money and, oh, and take care of things. We yeah. don't just like, let's go do these 10,000 plays this week. Um, but I also feel that's very important because if we don't support the actors, you're not going to see the show, you're not supporting the playwrights, then new voices won't get heard. Right. Because then they'll turn around and go, well, this is a failure. If this isn't going to sell, then we aren't going to, you know, endorse more of what the playwright does. And right. then it's a trickle-down theory because they'll be like, no, we we cast or we used that person, that playwright's this, and this is similar, and they're, it's not going to sell. And right. So I'm glad that the security did say that. It was also another uh, cute for me. During uh, COVID lockdown, we had joined a group called EMBC. It was a, a lot of Winona Earp fans known as Earpers. We all got together and we had daily calls. And it was usually at, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, depending what time of year it was. <laughs> and we would have conversations and ask a question. And it was like, it was really a check-in of mm-hmm. how you were doing and, and seeing other faces on, you know, video calls and whatnot. And we ran into somebody uh, specifically Katie. Hi, Katie. She had uh, come down from Canada for the I think the weekend or the week to visit mm-hmm. New York City. And it was just great randomly running into another EMBCer in the city. And it just instantly makes you feel like you've got your family around you. And the reason I bring that up is also because you saw all of these individuals there that had uh, a league of their own t-shirts and pride shirts and all of this stuff. And it was just such a welcoming environment. Mm-hmm. 
you know, even Darcy, when uh, our friend Leah had made these little Greta and Carson little stuffies, Mm -hmm. we showed them to Darcy and gave them to Darcy. And Darcy took our phone and did a video for Leah. I know. I did not expect that to happen. We didn't ask for it. It wasn't prompted, but it, it just goes to the kindness and the wonderful people that are a part of this. And you need that to bring across such a serious topic. Right. We should actually link that in the show notes if we can, the little video. I think it'll be cute. Okay. The other thing that that just popped into my head as you were talking about that is um, we actually saw Alfred Molina, the actor. Doc Ock, yes. Yeah. He was by the stage door. You know, he was away from the barricades. Mm -hmm. He was just waiting for the cast to come out because he saw the play himself. And he was talking to each of them individually. And nobody bothered him. Nobody bothered him. I wanted to take a photo of him, but you and I had a conversation and we're like, no, don't. So I, I took a I, photo from his a distance with my zoom lens. Right. I so wanted to do that because mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm just like, Better me. Better me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just didn't want to bother him because it seemed like, you know, he was there to support the cast mm-hmm. and he was talking to other people. So I didn't want to disturb him. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. Another thing that I thought was cute that actually happened in the play, the theater or theater, R E or E R. <laughs> I was dying at that because I, my friends, controversy in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. That's what they said. And the thing is, my friends and I argue it all the time because when I write a book and I'll put theater, they're like, it's R E. I'm like, I'm writing it a novel. It's R E T R. (laughs) But what, you know, you're writing it for a play. Is it R E? I'm just like, can I just have it be E R? Because I get so confused. Oh my God. Any other cute then? The scenes where uh, Jackson and and Logan, they're in a relationship Mm -hmm. and they have to have a, what, the conscious uncoupling before everybody shows up. And so they, she like will close her hands over her private area and then he kind of uses his right arm and closes it over his (laughs) private area. And then like they wipe each other's arms down and like washing it away and the door is closed. (laughs) And then at the end of the play, she's looking so like horrified and dejected as to what she's doing. And all of a sudden he looks up at her with those puppy dog eyes and he opens up his area <laughs> she does hers and then it's like oh my god i know it's like uh what really and i looked at you i was like i'm i'm really hoping people don't do this but considering it's based on like this satirical type thing i'm sure the playwrights come across people that may do things like that and like then they I'm, have a ritual to like you know be professional around yeah, but, other people and i just looked at you i'm like isn't that just common sense you know as we were talking, you know, that can be like a really educational piece that you have to, <laughs> to be professional around other people. Wow. Who knows? Wow. Uh, but anyway. Um, Theater. <laughs> E-R. Ari. Uh, well, they're coughing. I'm oh laughing so hard. So for me, the, the cute that I, that sticks with me is right before the scene that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's Caden and Alicia who finally kind of get together. Like throughout the play, Caden is like trying to hit on Alicia. Yeah. And towards the end, she finally kind of says yes to him. And he's all giddy. And he's like, he doesn't know what to do with himself because he's gotten no for so long. It's like, wait, she said yes. She actually said yes. What am I doing now? (laughs) Yes. His expression was like, uh, wait a minute. I wasn't prepared for this. (laughs) It was just, it was adorable. Uh, the way they set up the theater with the with the school as the background, it was so realistic to me. It actually reminded me of my old high school. Okay, so here's the cute then going to that. When you were saying it was your high school and you're like, oh, I remember the plastic chairs with the metal legs and that was my high school. And I turned around I'm like, wait, you had plastic and metal chairs? <laughs> and the guy in front of me who's like 90 <laughs> turns around and goes, you had wooden ones too? 
And I was like, oh my God, I've entered the Twilight Zone. And he's like, yeah, it was an old wooden desk that gave you splinters in your bum. And I'm like, yes! I know, and I'm just looking at the two of you talking. I'm like, uh, and then he's like, you know, I'm in the Twilight Zone. He's here. like, did you have an old green blackboard? And then Sheila's like, oh no, we had like this other. You had a dry erase board. We had dry erase boards. We had blackboards with chalk. <laughs> I didn't have dry erase boards until college. <laughs> I'm like, did I go to school? Like, and this is New York, like Long Island. Yeah. To be fair, my senior year of my high school was a new build. And so, you know, it, it was a little bit more modern. But my high school that I could have gone in my local town, local high school, had all of that stuff for years. And I'm laughing hysterically going back and forth with this very old gentleman who's having a great time at this play going, yeah, I can't believe you experienced that too. And there's my wife going, yeah, no, <laughs> nope. I'm like, you never got a splinter in your butt? She's like, nope. No, no, no. Nope. No, not not. But see, us. that's that's where the play works is because it brings nostalgia and humor and then delivers you like an educational thing. So I got school. Okay. God. Lockers. Uh, anyway. I didn't have a locker until high school. Oh my goodness. And All I right. broke my friend's locker by accident. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway. Any other cute? No, I think we covered enough. Okay, cool. I guess that is going to do it for our discussion of the Thanksgiving play. Now it is time for the Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate the Thanksgiving play five stars. Yay! Yay! We agree on this rating. The Thanksgiving play really brings attention to a lot, um, but it teaches it through laughter and humor. You know, we mentioned last episode for uh, Prima Facie that Tackling difficult subjects can sometimes lead to the audience feeling browbeaten or um, just that you're not handling these topics correctly. Mm -hmm. And we said Prima Facie really took this very serious topic and handled it with grace and really educated you without making you feel like you were being browbeaten. And the Thanksgiving play, in my opinion, does the same thing, Mm. except it does it through humor. You know, I was laughing so hard that my stomach hurt. But in the meantime, I was fully understanding the realities And how we as a society need to go forward and actually address them properly. Yeah. And for me, you know, this is a satire. So as all satires do, humor is used to draw attention to social issues, right? Like Kimberly, I was laughing so hard, my stomach hurt. And I think that the Thanksgiving play does this superbly by showcasing all of those social issues, right? We've said that in the past, the arts are important to show a different perspective. And here it showcases that maybe sometimes the best way to contribute is to help open the door and then step aside so that others can walk through. I completely agree. And that was beautifully said. Oh, thank you. I try. You succeed often. Anyway, that is going to be our show for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you've seen the play or you wanted to discuss something and let us know what you think, you can either comment on the posts that we put up on our socials or send us a a direct message on any of them. And please don't forget to subscribe and like this episode. It helps us out a great deal and it ensures that you will not miss any future episodes. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, there are times that we need to act and other times to just stay still and do nothing. It's easier said than done, but practice makes perfect. (laughs) 